Well, good morning, church. So good to, for each and to have you here. This morning, we are going to be speaking about the true spirit of Christmas. The true spirit of Christmas. As we see this picture here, and I know Jay will be reminding me to get this. And by the way, if you notice, I'm not Paul Johnson. There, there's Hertz and then there's not exactly, so. But anyways, but as you can see the picture here, to the left, there's the Christmas star. And to the right, you see the cross. And both are necessary to have the true spirit of Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you would just really bless this message to each and every one here. And God, that we would just touch hearts, God. We pray that you would minister to both of us who, of us who have trusted Christ as Savior and maybe in terms of those who have not, that it will minister to each one. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to read the scriptures. It says in Luke 2, 21, it says this. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification, I want you to notice that. That's going to be something very important to note. According to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Notice that, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Not just for Israel, but for all people. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years and lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day 
with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, during this season, we have heard about this. It talks about having the Christmas spirit. And by the way, you don't have to pretend to me. Some of you watch Hallmark or Lifetime or Up TV, and they talk about a Christmas spirit. And what involves, according to the world, a Christmas spirit? The Christmas spirit is, well, if you decorate a tree, you know, sometimes there'll be people for some odd reason, they're not decorating a tree, and they said, you don't have the Christmas spirit. It's exchanging of gifts, it's decorating your house, it's having fr friends and family over, over for dinner. And this all embodies, and even maybe doing some nice things, because after all, it's the season of Christmas. And the world, and you may even, they, some people may even have a manger. And they say that's, that is the Christmas spirit. However, that is not the true spirit of Christmas. And we're going to talk about what it takes to have the true spirit of Christmas. We as believers, we always say this, Jesus is the reason for the season, correct? When you say Jesus is the reason, that word reason, needs, we need to define why Jesus is the reason for the season. But then, back then as it is now, very few people understood the gravity of Jesus' first advent or his first coming. There was, of course, God. There was the angels. There was Mary and Joseph. There were the shepherds. There were the magi. But very little else, and so it is today. Very few know they may have the Christmas spirit, but they do not have the true spirit of Christmas. We're going to add two people to that short list, and that's going to be Simeon and Anna. However, before we start talking to them, there's a number of questions we need, need to be answered. First thing of all, what are the characteristics of Simeon and Anna who possess the spirit of, spirit of Christmas? What do they possess to have the spirit of Christmas? And finally, how can we communicate through our lives and our words the true spirit of Christmas? First thing of all, we're going to talk about the characteristics. Now, Simeon, which means God receiver, there was a couple things that were characteristic about Simeon. Number one, he was devout. It says, and there was a man in Jerusalem by the name of Simeon, and he was devout. Excuse, yes, he was, excuse me, he was righteous. So what does righteous mean? Righteous actually means just in the eyes of God, equitable in character, innocent and holy. In other words, this was his, the attitude that was in his heart. And then it said he was devout. It says Simeon, and he says he was righteous and devout. Devout actually meant cautious. He wasn't careless with his relationship with God. He was what you call circumspect. 
This meant watchful and discreet. Also, he was God-fearing and he was pious. These are qualities that we should possess as well, right? We shouldn't be careless in our relationship with God. And these are some of the characteristics that Simeon had. Also, he was spiritually vigilant. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. This word, looking for, a more correct word to saying is that he was waiting for. He was waiting for expectantly. Now, it's a very interesting thing is we know the, we know the Christmas story, right? That Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem and they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of registration and the taxes. The question is, why would they come to Jerusalem after traveling all that way? It was about a five-mile trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. So why would they and why would they come to the temple? And that we're going to see how the sovereignty of God played in all of these things. Number three, he was submitted to and led by the Holy Spirit of God. It says he had the on-resting spirit. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. It wasn't, the spirit did not indwell him, okay? Because in the Old Testament, before Jesus was crucified and arose, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. So those who, who were equipped to do the will of God, what they would do, what, what God would do is he would have the on-resting spirit to empower them to do his will. So in the Old Testament, there was the unresting spirit. However, the qualification for the spirit having an influence in somebody's life is the same in the Old Testament as was in the New Testament. It's someone who wants to be obedient to God. He says, therefore, the Holy Spirit revealed God's plan and will in fulfilling his promise to him. It, had, it said it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It's an interesting thing. This is a principle that's so true. God does not reveal, listen very carefully, God does not reveal his will to be voted on. God reveals his will to those who are obedient. And it seems that as a general course of life, Simeon, was walking in a careful relationship and being obedient. That's the reason why God's will was revealed to him, and that's how we can have God's will revealed to us. And he walked in obedience and was led by the Holy Spirit, and God fulfilled his promise. Now watch this. And he came into the, in the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the, the custom of the law, then he took him up into his arms and blessed God and said. Now I'm going to answer the question about why would Joseph and Mary bring Jesus in. There's a couple of things that I need to correct. Sometimes you, I, how many of you have seen the movie The Nativity? Oh, you should see, it's very good. But usually the timeline is like this. The Magi are coming from the east. They see, they see that there's going to be a star. 
By the way, the Magi were part of the wise men of the East. Many believe that they were, that Daniel was the head of the wise men and that they knew of the Messiah and they would come. Joseph and Mary get the, get the, the proclamation to go to Bethlehem for the registration. They would come. The Magi would come to Herod and say, where is he king of the Jews? For we've come to saw a star, but we've come to worship him. And then Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary would go to Bethlehem. And of course, you know, when the Magi spoke to Herod, and Herod was very troubled, he says, go and, and search for the child and bring word to me that I may come and worship him also. Then Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. They give birth to, to Jesus. The shepherds come. The magi come. The magi are warned not to return to Herod. They depart. The angel wakes up Joseph and says that Herod's going to take the life of the child. Herod is angry. He goes. They flee to Egypt, and, and Herod kills all the children in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. That's basically the, the Christmas storyline that we have seen time and time again. But I want, you, I want you to understand something. As we read why Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple, the timeline, well, let me read it to you, then let me explain something, okay? It says in Exodus 13, he says, Now when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of, of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when your son asks you, in the time to come, what is this? Then you shall say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed the firstborn of the land in the land, and both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall be serve as a sign on your hand and your phylacteries on your forehead, for with a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of, the, out of Egypt. So this commemorates, this commemorates the time of Passover when they, he killed the firstborn of the Egyptians but spared those of Israel. The next thing is Leviticus 12. It shows why they would they brought a sacrifice. He says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation she shall be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks in her menstruation, and she shall remain in the blood of her purification 
for 66 days. Then the days of her purification are completed. When the days of the, her purification are completed, for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of the meeting a one-year lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove yeah, or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. She shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. So you see here, the timeline is okay. Jesus is born. She has to wait 40 days. Obviously, the Magi didn't come because why would they go to Jerusalem where Herod was? That's number one. Number two is, notice what they offered. They offered Pigeons or turtle doves, correct? If the Magi had come with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they would have been able to afford to purchase a lamb. So the Magi hadn't come yet. So the timeline is the Magi came at least maybe a couple months, maybe up to two years. So just to give you the correct timeline as far as that's concerned. And this is what, this is what, they, that's the reason why they came to the temple. This was according to the law of the Lord. You see how God was using, sovereignly using all this to bring things together? Now, here's what Simeon says. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of, of all peoples, the light of revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Again, I say, it's for all men. I want you to think about something, and I'm going I'm to read something from Max Lucado, and he, he kind of paints a picture of, of Simeon. And I don't know if this was that particular day, or it was each and every day. But listen to what he said. Let's imagine a white-headed, wizened fellow working his way down the streets of Jerusalem. People on the market call his name, and he waves but doesn't stop. Neighbors greet him, and he returns the greeting but doesn't pause. Friends chat on the corner, and he smiles but doesn't stop. He has a place to be, and he hasn't time to lose. Simeon, the man who knew how to wait for the arrival of Christ, the way he waited for the first coming, is a model for how we should wait for the second coming. Simeon's one incredible moment occurs 40-plus days after the birth of Jesus. Joseph and Mary have brought their son to the temple. It's a day of sacrifice, a day of dedication. But for Simeon, it's a day of of celebration. It also says he was living in the expectation of salvation of Israel. He watched and waiting for the re restoration of Israel. Simeon is a man on tiptoe, wide-eyed, and watching 
for the one who will come to save Israel. This again meaning waiting forwardly or expectantly. The grammar is poor, but the image is great. Simeon was waiting, not demanding, not hurrying. He was waiting. But he was waiting with anticipation, calmly, expectantly, eyes open, arms extended, searching the crowd for the right face and hoping the face would appear today. In the end, the prayer of Simeon was answered. Amen? Now we're going to speak about Anna and what her characteristics were. She was devoted to serving God. He says, and then as a widow for the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. I want you to think about something. She was 84 years old, probably a young woman back then was married, we'll say the median age of maybe 15 years old. Could have been 14, maybe a little later. But she was married, she was with her husband seven years. So she was probably around 22. And for 62 years, she served the Lord in the temple day and night. I would say she was pretty dedicated, wouldn't you? She was also a prophetess. Now, I bring this out because of the fact that it says there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And the interesting thing is a prophetess would be like a prophet who would speak the will and the word of God. So as, as a result, obviously, she was walking in the life that honors God because obviously God wouldn't speak through a prophet that is disobedient and dishonorable. And she had and spoke a message heard by all who were looking for the message of redemption by the Messiah. It says, at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she was one, she came that day, and how would she know? Let me say this about Simeon and Anna. How would they know? There's probably each and every day they would have many baby boys that would be dedicated. How would they know who the right one was? Now we're going to answer the question, what did they possess to have the spirit of Christmas? Well, first thing of all, both Simeon and Anna had the Holy Spirit. We see this directly spoken of with, uh, with Simeon. It says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Obviously, he had the Holy Spirit. And it says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord Christ. So he, he, the Spirit was upon him, the Spirit revealed this to him, and when he came to the temple, he came 
in the spirit into the temple. Again, looking for, we, we don't know the, the third statement here. We don't know if it was that particular day or this was each, just about each and every day of his life. Anna is more inferred here because it doesn't say it directly, but it says, and there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the first tribe of Asher. Again, she would have to have the Holy Spirit in order to speak the will and the word of God. And it says, she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. 62 years of being dedicated to the Lord, I would say that she had the Holy Spirit. And in 38, at the very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him. And of course, obviously, to find the right baby boy, she would have had to have the Holy Spirit. They were both devoted and looking to the Lord for guidance. Notice Simeon. He was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Again, we looked at these verses before, and we could see that he was walking day to day, devoted to God, and he looked to God for guidance. Aunt Anna, it says there was a prophetess named Anna, and uh, he says she never left the temple serving day and night with fastings and prayers. She was devoted, and obviously she was looking to God for guidance because it says at that very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of them, all of those who were looking for the redemption of it, Jerusalem. We're having a little problem here. So the message of Simeon and Anna were but a continuation of the previous and following messages. We see Gabriel speaking to Mary and saying that you're going to have a child and it's going to be virgin born and he's going to be called the son of God. And also we see the Magi when they came and they gave gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold, and this represented Jesus' ministry and who he was. Gold for the king of kings. Frankincense for the priest of priests. And myrrh to represent the sacrifice. What an impact. I mean, this baby was going to be a sacrifice. Finally, how can we communicate through our lives and our words, the true spirit of Christmas? Well, we need to have the Holy Spirit through salvation and be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. We, ask to, we have to recognize our previous condition. In our previous condition in Ephesians 2.1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you, are, you have been saved. And in Ephesians 2.8, it says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If anyone hears this on the internet, or perhaps some of you here, 
who, who have not received Jesus Christ, you say, listen, I have the Christmas spirit, and I think I'm a good person. I've done nice things for people. I'm not as, I'm not as bad as John Smith and Mary Jones down the street. And by the way, if you, that's your name, I apologize. But the point is that the Bible says in James 2.10, he says, if you keep the law all your life and you break one, just one commandment, you're just as guilty as the one who is guilty of all. If you didn't need Jesus as your Savior, then Jesus didn't have to come. There is no reason for Christmas. There would be no Christmas. You see, and the important thing is this. You have to recognize that you are a sinner by birth and by practice. You have to repent of your sin. And you have to put your trust that Jesus Christ went beyond the manger to the cross and paying the debt that you could not pay. Jesus will either be your judge or your savior. I encourage you to trust him as Savior because his life will be the measuring stick against which you are measured if you try to approach him by works. The next thing is our present condition. We are, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, Do not be grieved. Grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. And we can be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit now that we're believers. And it says, be not drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We can also walk in the Spirit. What does that mean by walking? That means directing our life. In Galatians 5.16, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you may not be able to do the things you please. And we can also be led by the spirit, just like Simeon was, led by the spirit, where you are, it says, if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Furthermore, we need to communicate the true reason and purpose for Jesus coming first Christmas, that first Christmas. It's not just the manger. It looks beyond the manger to the cross. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.16. By common confession, which is the gospel and the Great Commission, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on the world, and taken up into glory. So we can see that it goes beyond the manger, the true spirit of Christmas. It goes beyond the manger, but it goes to Jesus where he says this, that during his life he said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He would also say, as we see in that picture of him going to the cross, to this end, I was born. 
but it goes beyond that. And it goes beyond, thank God, that we know that that's true because Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? This showed that he wasn't a martyr for a cause, but he was the savior of all the world. And here we see the resurrection where the angel proclaimed, you're looking for Jesus Christ of Nazareth? He is risen and he is not here. And he's ascended into heaven. And he he's ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen? So sometimes we hear conflicting messages. Sometimes you, you see where on a Christmas card it says, peace on earth, goodwill to, towards men. But it leaves out the last phrase. And that comes in conflict with when Jesus says, don't think I come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. Notice in Luke 2.14, let's see the complete phrase. He says, the angel said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is well pleased. Who is he pleased? He's well pleased with those who have received Jesus as Savior, who have become his child through the redemption of the cross. And notice in Matthew 10, 34, Jesus says this, Do not think I come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. The message of the gospel still divides people today. Perhaps maybe you've gotten together with friends and family over the holidays, be it Thanksgiving or Christmas. And sometimes you go to share the gospel. And there are some people that receive it and they welcome it. But there are other people who it doesn't go down very well. There are people in countries that are persecuting believers and there's many people who become believers and their family abandons them. They renounce them. They say, you're dead to me. There's some where there, there's been divorces and breakups of families because of the fact that they, they, don't want to, they, they, they don't want to accept it. There's even honor killings for those who've paid a dear price for the Savior. Amen? So, it's an interesting thing that Simeon also said he said that this child will be for the rise and fall in many in Israel and will be a sign to be opposed. What does that mean? What does it really mean? Well, I want to I give a little scenario here. Jesus is going into Jerusalem, and in Luke 13, 34, listen to what he says. Oh, Jerusalem of Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophet and the stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together just as the hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not have it. Behold, your house is left to you desolate and I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's interesting on Palm Sunday, 
What did they say when he was entering Jerusalem? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The question is, was it fulfilled? No, it wasn't. Because in Psalm 118, 25 to 29, let me just read this for you. He says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, righteousness, and I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter it, and I will give thanks to you, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. It says, it talks about the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in your eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, Hosanna, or save now, we beseech you, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and has given his light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I give thanks to you, for you are my God and I stole you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. This speaks of two things. This speaks of the deliverance of Israel from its outward enemies, but it also talks about the deliverance from their greatest inward enemy, and that's sin. And that's why it says, bind the sacrifice to the altar. They accepted the first part, but they didn't accept the last part. In Luke chapter 20, the Pharisees come to Jesus. And they said, by what authority do you do these things? And he said, I will answer that if you answer my question. The baptism of John, was it of God or of men? And they thought, well, if we say if it's of God, they said, well, why didn't you believe him? But if they say if it's of men, he says, then they, I, the crowd will come against us. So they said, we do not know. He says, neither will I tell you these things. And it was very interesting. Jesus gave, gave a parable to the people. And he talked about an a, a owner of a vineyard. And he, he rents it out to vine growers. And he was, at the end of the harvest, he was expecting for them to, to actually give him a, a portion of the produce. So he sends his servants to collect it. And they beat, beat some. They killed others. So he says... I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect my son. And then when the son comes, they said, this is the heir. Let us kill him. So they, they kill him, and they say, what do you think that they're going to do? What do you think that the vine owner is going to do when he finds this out? And they said, they'll throw them out, and they'll, and they'll bring in other vine growers that will, will bring forth the produce. And so... That's what he says in Luke 20, 17. But Jesus looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, but on whom it ever, ever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. You see, when you have the true spirit of Christmas, and you're trying to trying to communicate this true spirit of Christmas, 
you can expect that there's going to be resistance. There's going to be those who will reject the chief cornerstone. But we have to be faithful in proclaiming it. So in conclusion, as I said before, many will have the Christmas spirit, but few will have the true spirit of Christmas. All those other things are fine to enjoy, but we as believers need to portray the true spirit of Christmas in keeping the coming of Christ and why he came the center of, our, of Christmas and as we share the gospel. Because it's beyond the manger and it goes to the cross. That's why Jesus came. And let me say this to those who do not know Christ as Savior. Because will you have, who have never trusted Christ, will you receive his precious gift to you this Christmas? Many, many here, perhaps yesterday, maybe over the coming days, you will exchange gifts. And God has an exchange. I don't know what we give him is a gift, but what he gives us is a gift. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He that knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. What happens? What we give him is our sin. And what he gives us is his righteousness in Jesus Christ. And why does he do that? So that a holy and just God can be just in justifying you and me. And for those who do not know Christ, that's what he does. No wonder in 2 Corinthians 9.15, it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Will you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? All you have to do is open your heart, and he will give you the ability to repent and put your trust in his provision of salvation for you through the cross of Jesus Christ. And let us be faithful to have the true spirit of Christmas and be like Simeon, having eyes wide open for the opportunities where we can share the gospel. There's one thing that I realize is that sometimes you, in a particular situation, you may share some. And maybe it isn't, you don't share all of it because you're looking for another opportunity to do it. And that's okay. But that is the true spirit of Christmas. The world wants to keep Christ as in the background or not Christ at all. But we have to be like Simeon and Anna, filled with the Holy Spirit, devoted to God, looking God for God for direction to communicate the gospel, which is the true spirit of Christmas. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for our time here together. We pray, God, that you would bless your word to our hearts and that the people who do not know Christ would come to know him as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.